today's podcast was actually originally a YouTube live and it's going to go over how to make money doing what you love in the outdoor industry. And so I'm actually really highly considering creating a course on this. So we'd love any type of feedback of things that you would want to hear more about or obstacles that you might face or obstacles that you have faced currently while trying to do some of this stuff. So let me know, you know, let me know in the comments, etc. But let's get into the podcast. Today's live is going to be about how to make money in the outdoor industry or as an outdoor creator. And I think, you know, money can sometimes be a little bit taboo. Uh, you know, why do you want to monetize something that you love to do? You know, would it make it a job? And I guess I have some thoughts on, on, on some of that kind of stuff. So I'm going to get into a couple steps of how, if that's something that you want to do, how to get into it, how to identify what you could monetize, where you should be hitting, like what type of social media, the best apps right now. We're talking about dealing with brands. This is one that really confused me when I first started this type of stuff. I didn't know how to navigate this space, how to deal with brands. And then, yeah, we're going to get into just a little bit of my story on that as well. So I guess that's where we'll start. So here we go. Here's my story. So when I was on a PCT section hike, this was my like, uh, one of my, actually my second section hike of the summer, but like my second real long, long hike. And after that, or during that section hike, rather, I kind of came to the conclusion that, you know, this outdoor type of stuff is not very common, I guess. And so what I mean by that is that not a lot of people, not a lot of people, you know, want to go out in the woods for days on end and stuff like that, right? And so I was like, well, why don't I just start, I don't know, documenting this type of stuff? Because I think it's a, a you know, a different look into how to live your life. You know, most of the people that I work with or that I was friends with at the time, uh, they had no kind of concept of that. And it was just something that I was starting to explore in the first place, too. So I remember walking on the trail and it was uh, my last day on that section hike. We were getting into Washington, actually, on the PCT. And I was talking to this kid and I was I was doing some little filming, but I was mostly doing filming. Actually, and this is how it started. I was mostly doing filming for my Instagram stories. I would just, I would just film, uh, you know, vertically and I would add into my Instagram stories, but I was getting so many comments on my Instagram stories of people just loving the content. And it was just these real snippets of my time on the trail. And I guess that is what, that was the, the spark that really was like, oh, well maybe I can make maybe, you know, fuller length videos, YouTube, whatever, right? And I remember talking to a kid on the PCT and he was wondering what I was doing when I kept like videoing. And I said, you know, I'm just making content. And he's like, oh man, I wish I could do that too. And, and I said, yeah, I, I think that you already have, especially when you're doing outdoor content, you already have a, a natural story arc, right? Which, which if you've ever watched your favorite YouTube channels, a lot of them, uh, they follow like a really good story arc or a lot of them can be really good storytellers, right? So 
when you're in the outdoors, you naturally kind of are, you are in a story. So it, it, you, when you get into your editing process, which we'll get into in a little bit, it, it's not that hard of work to try and um, formulate a story. Anyway, I digress. I told this kid, yes, that's what I was doing. And, you know, he said, I wish I could do that. I was like, well, you can. Anyway, he didn't obviously want to do it, which it kind of comes down to when you are doing outdoor content, you have to, I guess, kind of have the discipline to film it, right? Because when you are out there on a through hike or you're out there on your multi-day backpack or just an overnight backpack, the last thing you want to do is film. I'll tell you that right now. And it's so it's a, it's a type of discipline, but you will be satisfied with it the longer you go and when you start making content. So just up front, that is that is one thing I want I want you to be aware of. It can be kind of a pain in the butt in the moment, but long term, it always pays off. And I always like to say, especially in my regular job right now, you know, short term pain for that long term gain. So what I did after finishing that section hike was I added more videos to my Instagram. Again, was getting tons of comments, love this stuff, blah, 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 blah. And I, and I just, I really couldn't believe it. This is back in 2019. What I ended up doing was uh, Gut Hook Guide, which is, you know, probably some people might be familiar with that if you've done some long trails. They are a really good uh, app for long trail through hiking. I had seen that on their website, they were looking for someone to blog about their, my trail story. And so I wrote a blog piece for them. I got it published on their blog, which was super cool, right? And so as you're going to see here as the theme of my story is I had these little wins and these little wins kept compounding, compounding, and it was ultimately, it became kind of a snowball effect. So after writing for Gut Hook, uh, this was, this is around the, near the pandemic. The pandemic hadn't hit yet in 2020. and I ended up applying for the Trex Trail Ambassador because I was going to do the JMT in 20, 2020. You had to make a video. I got I got accepted. And so I was like a trail correspondent, which anybody can do this, by the way. You can do this every year. They didn't pay, but what it was was it was exposure, okay? So what is exposure? So exposure is kind of the bottom tier level, but something that you should really strive to do, especially when you're just getting started into making outdoor content. So exposure is simply you give a piece of content to someone that has a larger following than you and they will post it on their site or whatever, but they they typically will have a ton of subscribers or a ton of followers or, or things like that, right? So that's what the trek was for me. And I was I was thinking, oh my gosh, you know, they had... I think 30,000 subscribers on their YouTube channel at the time. And I'm like, wow, I had 100. I don't even know if I had 100. So I was like, well, no brainer. I'm going to do that. So I started making videos and blogging for the track. At the same time, I also created my own website. Now, many of you probably have never heard of this because, well, what you'll end up hearing in a second. But I, I created a website and I was writing and... It was called Hiker Trash Nation. I don't know. I just, I, I needed a name. That's what I came up with. It was very long. So I started blogging on my own. And 
kind of came to realize that it, it was it was cool. I enjoyed writing, but in at the time I was seeing that the trends started to be, you know, in my mind, blogging has not become obsolete, but it's gotten less popular, right? If you go, I will still, if I research a hike if, or if I want to go somewhere or something like that, I'll still read blogs. I'll still read websites and things like that. But typically I will go on YouTube channels. I'll go on YouTube channels and I'll research where they're at or I'll, I'll leave comments. A lot of times the YouTube creators are super cool and they'll, you know, write back to you. And so that's where I typically do my research. Nowadays, people are also doing research on like TikTok and things like that. So I started to see that one, oh my God, monetizing a blog is a lot of work. A lot of work. Let me tell you, I have a really good friend, uh, Mike and Laura is their website, and they started monetizing. They're actually a six-figure business right now. I went to college with this gal. She basically did kind of van life for a few few months, went to Breckenridge and things like that. And that's awesome, Corin. Yes, I know, right? You know, she went to they travel around forever, or whatever, and she created a blog. Well, she ended up being able to monetize it really well. But you have to have a certain amount of traffic in your blog in order to run ads on there. For example, how many of us have looked about how to bake a certain recipe, how to bake chicken? I don't know why I always look this up, why I always have to look up baking chicken. You'd think I would remember how, what temperature and time to bake the chicken. However, I always have to do this. So what do you do? You go online, you read about it, but there's 100,000 words before you finally get to the recipe of the chicken or the casserole or whatever it is that you want to read. The reason is, is because blogging, it has to be long in order to rank in Google because there's a million uh, ranking algorithm, algorithms in Google and you're competing with a million people. And in order to have run ads to get money, you have to have, I think, a traffic of 10,000 people a month or 100,000 people a month. It's a lot. Let's just put it that way. It's a lot of people. Okay. I was looking at my analytics after six months. And just wasn't getting there, man. Just wasn't getting there. And I'll tell you what, the process of writing a large blog post in order for it to be ranked on Google in the first page, because let's face it, you are not going to go search 10 pages deep into Google to go find a recipe or whatever it is that you're looking for. You're only going to look on page one. So if you're not ranked on page one, you might as well not even have written the thing, right? So... I scrapped it. And I think one of the things with the outdoor creation thing is you need to know when to fold them because I hate quitting. Right. And so it was, it was tough on me to do this, but I knew that I had to transition to something different if I wanted to make this work. So I scrapped the blog. Okay. After the blog, I pretty much went to the John Muir trail. I did my thing. I got back, did some more backpacking trips. Uploaded a random video about uh, giving a tip about how to eat nor rice sides out of the out of the actual pack on TikTok. Blew up, blew up, and that was what really was the catalyst in 2020 to where I am now. Okay, so I used that momentum, got a ton of followers from that. Right, da 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 da. We get to now, and 
yeah, there's a bunch of stuff in between there that I guess I won't get to right now. Maybe that's for another day. But that was kind of the catalyst to it. Okay. So if you want to make uh, money as an outdoor creator, here are the things that I learned throughout this, I guess, almost three years now, two, three years now. So you have to, number one, identify what are your strengths and interests, okay? So what do you communicate the best on? Are you really good on video? Are you really are you a really good writer? Are you um are you good on a podcast? Like do you do you like to communicate with your voice, right? There's a there's really three main bit main mediums right now. There's voice, there's video, and there's writing. And all three of those can make you can monetize all three of those if you really want to. And you can also cross promote on all three of those. But I would say for me, I think selecting one at a time was the best. And so I went the video route. Okay. You also need to know, or you also have to be interested in it. I've been writing all my life, been writing in school, I've been writing all that kind of stuff, right? And it just wasn't, it wasn't doing it for me. And so video was totally new and something that I was excited to learn. There's a lot of editing stuff that I like to do. So you have to enjoy it, right? Now, the second part to this is, and people always say this, and this is, goes to, to towards, you know, through hiking too, but you have to know what is your why? Why are you doing this? Okay. This is so cliche. People always say this, but it is true. Uh, what what is the reason for you wanting to do this? And I will be totally straight up honest with you. For me, I was already doing all this outdoor stuff anyways, right? And so in my mind, I'm thinking, why don't I just document it so people can see it and things like that. But my ultimate, ultimate goal is I want to get out of my nine to five. I want to not have to, I want to be my own boss. I want to make my own stuff. Right. And I want to just have the freedom that not having a nine to five gives you. Okay. And so that's my reasoning. And so when people, I've been told a lot of times, like I have, I can be really OCD with a lot of this stuff. Right. And I tell people, I'm like, I don't know if it's OCD or if it's like this real big drive that like, I just want to get somewhere and I'm not there yet. Right. And so I'm really, what I'm chasing is that freedom. So what is your why as to why you want the money or why you want to monetize? Is it just for a little bit of uh, more income so you can maybe go on some more trips? Do you want to fund like a, a certain through hike or whatever, or do you want to leave your nine to five or do you just want to help people? Or it could be all, all of those things, but Begin with the end in mind. Where do you want to get to? Okay. Number three. I guess this is number two. You need to start. This is the hardest step out of this entire process. I have talked to countless individuals that want to make content, want to get better at content, or want to put themselves out there and... uh, they, do, they just don't do it. And I totally understand it. When you put yourself out in a medium like this, YouTube, Instagram, anything, right? You are going to get uh, people that don't agree with you or 
trolls, haters, whatever you want to call them, right? And it's a consistent thing. You might actually, actually, when you first start, you probably, because you don't have that much exposure yet, I didn't get like that many haters or anything. But when I started getting a little bit more of a following or your stuff gets, you know, organically posted out, you know, either with a YouTube algorithm, TikTok algorithm, and, and people that aren't following you see your stuff, you then start to accumulate some good hate comments. Okay. And honestly, Gary Vee had said this, but you know, 99% of people quit or don't start because of that. So if you can get through that, that's one of the biggest hurdles, just being cool with, and just knowing that the other, the other side of that is who leaves the hate comments. I mean, when is the, honestly, honestly, when is the last time that you went on a YouTube channel TikTok, Instagram, whatever, and you left a hate comment on somebody, right? Probably, probably haven't, right? So you got to take it with a grain of salt. Who's leaving these comments? Usually when I click on them, 99% of the time, they have no profile picture. They have no videos. They have no followers and all this stuff, right? It's just like they made this account just to be an asshole to other people online and to stop them from achieving something they wanted to do because the person leaving the comment couldn't do it themselves. That's what I think. So number three is, I would say probably your best bet for monetizing outdoor content is going to be most likely on social media. And the reason I say this is because I want you to think about I want you to think about how people normally kind of think about, actually, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to read some comments right now because we're getting some. Corin, Corin's been on the live a few times. I appreciate the, I appreciate always hopping on. What up, Element Lifestyle? Imagine mountains. Hatefulness is not a common trait, is not a common trait in the outdoors community, fortunately. Yeah, for sure. I, where I usually get, I actually, I don't, YouTube is actually really good. I really have rarely got any hate comments at all on YouTube. YouTube has been very, very supportive. Where I usually get hate comments though is on TikTok. And I don't, I don't know if uh, a lot of people here are, haters do so. I I don't know if a lot of people here are on TikTok or not, but on TikTok, uh, you know, when you have a pick, when you have a post go viral, sometimes it'll hit your for you. It'll hit people's for you pages, and the people that see it aren't necessarily following you. And like maybe they have a general interest in your stuff, right? But the algorithm pushes it to it. And so I'll tell you what, man. When I when I do get those, most of my hate comments come with if I have like a semi viral post, and it's just all these people that have no idea actually what the post is actually about or the context of the post. So, yeah, most of the most of the time, though, outdoors people are are super cool. I would definitely, I would definitely agree with that. So, anyway, getting into understanding uh, where can you make the or where can you monetize that? So, my opinion, I think the best is going to be social media. And the reason I say this is again, think about where you see common marketing ads. Back in the day, right, I'm 30, 
and I don't know, I, I a lot of times my YouTube audience, I think, trends a little bit like towards my age and stuff. So you probably remember when you're growing up, obviously there was no social media, maybe Facebook, but most of the ads or most of how people had to try to get, tried to get exposure is billboards, TV commercials, radio, print ads in a newspaper, right? All these things. These things are becoming totally obsolete at the moment. I mean, really think about the last time you really looked at a billboard. (laughs) And I mean, most of the time the passenger in the seat isn't even doing anything. They're just texting on their phone, right? So that's kind of out. When's the last time you, you know, you, you, I don't know, maybe people read newspapers and magazines around here. I don't. But what my point is, is that there's underpriced attention on social media. And social media is such a great way to get exposure at a low cost of entry. You don't have to pay to make a YouTube account. You don't have to pay to make TikTok, Instagram, whatever. Okay. So right off the bat, there's no cost of entry there. So what apps should you be on? Well, since we're on YouTube, I'll kind of plug YouTube for a second here. And YouTube is great. And the reason YouTube is great is out of the three main platforms that I use, which is YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram, I make the most for my content on YouTube by far, just in terms of like ads and stuff. So once you get to a thousand subscribers, you can then, and and I think it's 10,000 hours of watch time, which if you're thinking about doing this, doing YouTube videos, this, I mean, it took me about a year maybe to get to here, but it was actually, it's a lot easier than it sounds. I'll just say that. Once you get there, you can then monetize, which just simply means you can run ads in your YouTube videos. And how this works is... Basically, you um, you know you have pre-roll ads and you have skippable ads, all this kind of stuff. But YouTube kind of does this. Now, to get the most, and so what this is called is called YouTube AdSense. So I'll, that's how I'll refer to it. But how to get the most AdSense of video is you actually, um, is by creating at least eight-minute videos. So eight-minute videos is kind of the minimum threshold if you want to make the most AdSense. And the reason I say eight is because you're then eligible to run a pre-roll ad. So think about when you watch YouTube. You get the pre-roll ad where you can skip. We all skip it. Don't lie. You skip it, right? And then you watch your video. And then sometimes in the middle of the video, there comes another ad. That's the mid-roll ad. So you can skip that. And then there's like kind of like an end ad or whatever. So eight-minute videos will give you the most ads in a video. If you have anything less than eight minutes, you'll have less ads there. That's basically what it means. You're not eligible for the mid-roll ad, okay? I have uh, been monetizing YouTube since uh, around June or July of last year, and I think I have made around probably three, three... $400 maybe from that, something like that. Now, it's not a lot, right? It's not a lot. It is really cool, though, to see how much you're making. Compare that to what I make from TikTok. TikTok, uh, I was able to, you're able to monetize, I forget how many, I think you need 10,000 followers. 
I was able to monetize that. And within, gosh, I've had that for almost two years and I've made $300, I think, from that total. I think it's actually under $300. So YouTube gets the clear win with if you're trying to monetize just totally based off of ads, you really don't have to do anything. Okay. YouTube is, is the clear win. Which is cool for me because I love making YouTube long form videos. That's my favorite videos to make. So that works for me, right? TikTok, not that much from it. And then IG Reels, you can also uh, earn money off of IG Reels. They're called bonuses. However, I, I've signed up for it, but I, I don't know. I don't know how to be eligible for it. Every time I, I try to click bonus reels, it doesn't let me do it. So I don't really know exactly how to do that. <laughs> But what I would tell you right now is, so what is the best app to be on? So for ads, yes, YouTube. However, in terms of organic reach, so what do I mean by organic reach? Man, I got to get a water. So in terms of organic reach, again, organic reach means when you post something, how many people see it? without you having to put ad spend behind it or without you basically having to promote that post, put money behind that post for more people to see it, right? The best one right now with organic reach is TikTok by far. And the reason is, is because TikTok is still relatively a new app, okay? Uh, When I got into it in 2020, there was better organic reach. Like most of my posts were always going over 10K views, I pretty much kind of took it for granted, but it was kind of a land grab at that point, right? Now there's more people on there, right? So there's more uh, there's more competition, okay? And so now it's a little bit harder to go viral. You still can. You can still, you can create a post. I literally saw this the other day. I saw an account post one post, one post. It got 1.5 million views. It was the first day that they posted the post. So it really doesn't matter when you when you create it. Obviously, you know, sooner the better. But that is your best for at least organic, organic reach. Now, second best, well, second and third best, I would say, are, are Instagram Reels and YouTube Shorts, okay? So if you notice a theme here, it's very short videos, very short videos. And this is a skill that you have to have. Creating long long form videos like YouTube videos and putting them down into 15 seconds or so is a skill. And one skill that I've had to learn and had to, you know, the more you make, obviously the better, a little bit better you get. But I've had to really uh, figure out how to do that because you have to tell the story or create the hook or create the curiosity in 15 seconds rather than an 8, 10, 15 minute video, right? So it's just a different skill set. Now, IG Reels, they pushed out Reels to compete with TikTok. They pushed this real, real hard. Spring, summer of last year. Okay. Actually, it would have been summer of last year. They really pushed Reels hard. I saw huge growth in just posting Reels. Okay. That has also slowed, but is still very, very possible and a lot of organic reach. Compared to Instagram in 2020, when I first started getting into this, I mean, my goal, for for instance, I have 
this is by no means like a front or anything. I have 15.4 thousand followers on Instagram right now. My goal for 2021, my goal was 2,000. 2,000 followers. That was my goal. Because I was still at 1,000 followers, okay? Through Instagram Reels, I started getting way more exposure, organic reach, and I just, my followers skyrocketed. It's now leveled out. I actually waver between 15.3, 15.4. It's weird. I don't know. But I'm still posting them, okay? The third one, in, or YouTube Shorts. Obviously, YouTube launched a app, or not an app, but a another feature to compete with Instagram and TikTok. So you probably have seen YouTube Shorts. It's basically the same thing. And I have seen quite a bit of growth with that as well. I mean, it's a slow, YouTube is, for me has always been a slow drip of growth, but I enjoy YouTube the most. So it's totally cool with me. Now, how do you come up with content for all this? Okay. Here's the freaking coolest thing about YouTube shorts, Instagram reels, and TikTok. I just repurpose all my stuff. So basically what I'm telling you is I create a TikTok first. I see if it hits and if it hits, meaning it does well, I'll put it in a TikTok little generator where it removes the watermark. I'll add it to my Instagram reels and I'll add it to my YouTube shorts. Sometimes I'll change the music on it if it's like a a tutorial or something like that. But that's all I do. That's all I do. And you don't have to do any extra work. You're just posting again. Now, some people will tell you that you do have to change up your content, which if I had the time to do that, I would. I just don't have the time to do it. So I just do what I can do. And that, and it's been working decently for me. Yeah. So let's look at some more stuff. So element lifestyle says my biggest income I made while traveling stock market and crypto, some passive income selling at eBay and my YouTube channel. Sweet. Yeah. The stock market, man. (laughs) I know. Love that thing. Although not right now. I don't like it. And make eBay posts of popular things from Walmart's websites. Yeah. Yeah. Passive income with eBay. Well, I guess it wouldn't be passive income. I guess you'd, you'd have to be passive income to me, I guess, is more like you post a YouTube video and you're getting AdSense off of that even after you you're sleeping and stuff like that. But yeah, the eBay stuff is cool. Uh, Corin says she found, or yes, found my channel through organic reach. Your shorts are great. Keep them coming. Yeah. So I appreciate that. And yeah, so like I wasn't posting shorts for the longest time. I mean, uh, it wasn't really until I started posting a couple, I was kind of dabbling in and then I would look at the analytics, which that's another great thing that I'll kind of point, point on YouTube has some of the very best analytics. And so what I mean by that is They'll show you exactly when viewers are leaving your videos. They'll show you exactly uh, your click-through rate, right? How many people, uh, how's your thumbnail doing? Stuff like that. And, dude, just great analytics. YouTube's and Instagram's are kind of there. Instagram's kind of sucks. But YouTube has great analytics. And, yeah, and I just was noticed. I was noticing a pattern with the shorts we're turning into subscribers and I was thinking, well, I should probably maybe do a little bit more of this, I guess. The only reason I wasn't was because I was being lazy and I just didn't think I had the time to do it until I started to prioritize actually posting the shorts. 
Okay, this is a good one. Second to last one that I want to go over today is dealing with brands. Okay, I've been through the ringer with this one. Like I said at the start of this live was one of the first and one of the best things that you can do when you start working with a brand and you have a smaller following and something that I did for a while was just trade content for exposure. Now, people will be like, well, you got to know your worth. You can't have, you can't give away stuff for free, blah, 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 blah. But in all honesty, my thinking was I was creating a network. I was creating a portfolio. And above all, I was getting exposure from some of these larger brands. So like I had said before, I wrote for Guthook slash Far Out, wrote for the Trek, did videos for the Trek. You can actually go onto the Trek's YouTube and you can see my, people had asked about my John Muir trail gear video. And I actually made one for the Trek. I forgot I did that. So it's on their, it's on their website. So I did some exposure things like that. Fox Alley. Okay. So then you kind of graduate into getting, receiving free product from people. So that just simply is they'll gift you, Hey, I'll give you some trekking poles. If you can, you know, make an Instagram story or an Instagram post about this or whatever. All right. So it's free product in exchange for a post from you. That's kind of the next tier above the exposure, or you can kind of combine that too. And so I did that for a little bit free product. But you then get to a point where once you start wanting to take this more seriously or make this kind of more of a business or you know what you're, you clarified your goal, right? Which was mine is leaving my nine to five. I want the freedom. You start to realize that free pro, free product is cool, right? Because a, a penny saved is a penny earned. But it isn't going to pay the bills. They ain't going to put food on your table. So that has been uh, my recent transition is transitioning into uh, financial deals, like actual compensation for content. I have made a few mistakes when I first jumped into this. When I first jumped into this, uh, it was more of probably in the middle of last year. And it was more of when I got back from the Colorado Trail in July. Basically, oh, one thing that I should should say is is in between the exposure and free product category or the tiers, right? You're going to be getting a ton of emails from people. Okay, they'll be like, "Hey, we love your we love your content. We think you'd be a great pit or a great you know fit for our company. We want to give you this in exchange for a TikTok post." Okay. That's, that's what that looks like. So as I started to figure out, I don't even know why I just went there, but (laughs) that didn't even make any sense. So anyway, financial deals, I started now thinking, okay, I need to start making actual money from this stuff instead of just getting free products. Okay. I am interrupting this podcast just to remind you that what else is free is subscribing and giving five-star rating to this podcast. That is also free. Where my mistake occurred was I was getting these emails and people were now, because my following grew, they were starting to offer me compensation. One of my biggest questions was how much to charge for a freaking post, an Instagram post, a TikTok post, YouTube, 
right? I have no idea. Like you can't really go on a website and look, hey, I have this many followers. How much do I post? It It's super hard to figure out what to charge. So I couldn't figure it out. So you start kind of um, getting a feel for it when these brands are saying, hey, we'll give you 200 bucks to do this or we'll give you you know, a hundred bucks or whatever. And obviously that's going to be the low end of things. So you probably know that's the bottom of the market. So you could probably charge, you know, in the middle if you want to. I was never really comfortable with that because I was never comfortable with negotiating at that time. So I was just, I let them do it. And plus in my mind, it was, Hey, I'll, I'll kind of throw them a bone and, and you know, I, you want to build a relationship with the companies that you enjoy. But where my mistake came from was the fact that I was getting these emails from companies that didn't really have, uh, they put it this way. I probably wouldn't use their gear if they didn't give it to me for free and pay me for the post. I'll give you an example. We were going up to do the Alpine Lakes high route. I have a video on this plug. Went up to do the Alpine Lakes High Route a couple days before. This is in northern Washington, so it was a large drive. A couple days before, I got hit up by this company, and they said, hey, we want to give you this type of roof rack thing, leather thing. You can put on your roof rack of your SUV, and you can store stuff in there. But they said, hey, we need to we need a post by X date, which happened to be basically the day I was leaving. So it gave me like three days to, to do this post. And I was like, okay, sure. I, yeah, I mean, it's like a hundred dollar product and you guys were, I think they were, I think that at that point it was just a free product. But I was like, yeah, cool. I kind of want one of those, but I didn't really need it. And so I said, I'll, I'll, you know, ship it to me and I'll do the post and blah, blah, blah. So they shipped it to me. <laughs> I did the post and basically it was just an Instagram story, a couple slides of me using this thing and saying, Hey, I'm going to, I, and I, I did preface it and I said, Look, I have not used this before, but it's pretty sweet. It looks pretty sturdy, and I think it'll be. I think it'll be. It'll work pretty well. Well, I used it going up to Washington. Slept in my car that night before we went backpacking, and I didn't like it. Just didn't like it. I probably and I was like, I'm never going to use this damn thing again. Well, they wanted a another. They wanted a picture post on my Instagram feed after the story slide. And that was for money. And I told him, I, I told him straight up when I got back, I said, Hey, I, I don't, I just don't like the gear. And honestly, uh, I just don't think it's going to work for me. So I had to send the back, the gear to them. Right. Meanwhile, as I'm driving to the Alpine Lakes high route, if you rewind for a second, I had some followers asking me or my community asked me, Hey, was this, is this a good product? Blah, blah, blah. And I, I said, yeah, it seems to be good anyway. Well now, and then later on, I tell them, Hey, Honestly, like I actually, I just ended up sending this back. Like it wasn't that good for me anyway. Maybe it will work for you. So that's an example of something that I didn't have experience with, but I posted anyway, because one, I, they had created urgency and I didn't negotiate when I wanted to post for me. I was going off of their urgency of getting the post done. And what I should have done was, yes, hey, I if I like the product, I'll post about it, but let me try it, right? Should never have posted it before actually trying it, obviously, duh. But I have had other times where I've uh, 
another one other post where actually I think everything after that, that's where I really, really learned my lesson. So I think everything, yeah, before that I didn't really, yeah, let me back up. I think that was really the time that I, that I learned my lesson where I really kind of um, figured stuff out in between uh, prior to that. I did have like smaller companies contacting me and I would do like a little post here or there, blah, blah, blah. But you got to think about it when you're following or, as your community, the community that you're posting to, if you keep posting all these different products that don't really relate to each other, or, you know, you're posting trekking poles for a company, but then you're also, then a couple months later, you're posting trekking poles for another company. And I saw myself going down that road. Okay. Saw myself going down that road. And I said, I got to stop doing this. I have got to only use what I believe in and what works for me. Okay. And so it was around, yeah, in the fall where I was like, I, I did one last post for a company and I said to myself, I, you know what, I'm good. I, I think I'm going to be good. So what you don't want to do is, or what you want to be careful of is what is your credibility? Okay. Yes, it's really cool to make uh, $200 from a post that you had to do minimal stuff for and you got free product for but if it really doesn't align with your values, I would say that's probably the biggest point. If it doesn't align with your values or if you can't depend on it and trust it, because think about what we're doing. We're being in the outdoors. We have to trust our life a lot of times with this gear. I mean, it's not as intense as like a rope or something like that, but a lot of times you're trusting your life to this gear. And so as I've gone through this, I, I'm like, okay, I'm only going to work with the big brands that I, I use, Black Diamond, Petzl, stuff like that. Now, the caveat with that is that it's a lot harder to get into contact with these brands as I've seen, okay? But in the long run, I think your community, you're going to build more trust in your community because of it. Now, I could go into this one up for, for a while, but what ended up happening is I developed a relationship with this that sounds really weird, but I developed this relationship with this electrolyte company called Element. And one thing that's the best thing that you can do is if a, if a company is like, hey, we want to send you product. You don't have to post about it. If you like it, you can post about it, whatever. And that is like the best partnership you can enter into because it puts you off the hook for everything. Okay. Element T which is an electrolyte company, was one of these companies that just sent me randomly a box of electrolytes. They want just said, try it, post about it if you want it. If not, whatever, we don't care. I tried it, loved it, posted about it, got their attention, and started a great relationship with them. There was no financial things, but what they would do is they would randomly send me little boxes of Element, okay? And I'm like, dude, these guys are so cool. Like, I love the product. I kept posting about it without them asking. There was no partnership there. And just, um, I felt good about it. I felt good about it. Fast forward a year to the end. Uh, it was about in January, December, January. And these guys, I, I developed a good relationship with them. And they said, hey, we love your TikToks. We love your short form content. Will you be a content creator for us? Yes, I said. And why I said yes so hard was be and so fast was because they fit my values. 
sugar-free electrolytes that taste amazing, that help your performance in the outdoors, sign me up. That is something that I preach to my, not preach, but I, I talk about to my community and that is important to me, being healthy on trail and having the best performance as well. So it was a no-brainer for me. So I entered into a partnership with them and currently I'm making eight TikToks a month for them and getting paid and getting paid a pretty good sum for that. Not enough to quit my nine to five, but a pretty good amount of money for me to be like, wow, uh, I really like this company and I'm going to keep doing this. It's, it's, it's fun for me. So I guess not only do you, you know, there's a kind of a trend, a, a different shift because a lot of brands are trying to get on TikTok right now or, or YouTube shorts or just creating t- YouTube. They're just trying to get out there, right? They're realizing that newspaper, billboards, all that type of shit doesn't really work anymore. And so what they're now seeing is that social media is the new means for this. But now they're being, now they, every social media platform has a different language. So they're trying to find really good creators that they, have the same values with that will then create on their account. If that makes sense. Okay. And that's where you can come in. So not only do you have the option of making a post for a company and getting paid for that post, which is something that I don't, I think is good at first, but for me, I think I'm kind of getting out of that. But not only can you do that, but you can also be a content creator for the actual company. And what's cool about it is I don't have to post on my account. I post on their account. I have their login and I post on their account, which is sweet. I don't have to, you know, bother my community about this and that. I don't have to do that. It's on their account. That's the best part. So what I want to wrap up here is actually, no, I got a couple more things. So with all this being said, you, I want to remind you that you do not have to be the best person, the best outdoorsman, the best outdoorswoman in the entire world. You don't have to be the best through hiker. You don't have to be whatever. You don't have to be the best physically or like the elite status of this, right? Because trust me, there is a way better backpackers. There's way more knowledgeable people than me in the outdoors and everything, right? But what you need to be good at is you need to be good at connecting with your community and being able to market yourself. And what I mean by market yourself is just like being able to connect connect with the community through your content and being able to um, have them see themselves in you, okay? Or And be able to tell stories through your content and be able to uh, create that curiosity, okay? So you do not... I want to assure you, you do not have to be the best at it because another thing that you'll get in this is imposter syndrome. So you'll start posting all this stuff and, and you will start feeling like you are an imposter. Happens to me all the time. And it's just not true. You don't, everybody has felt like that. Everybody. Okay. So, but the best, and then to follow up with that is you need to be consistent. I like to think of it, think of it as a slow drip. You have to be a slow drip, okay? 
And it's better to be consistently good than occasionally great. Okay. So that's, I mean, you really can't give up on something, especially if you want this to be your full-time job after 10 posts that didn't go anywhere. I've told this to my friends all the time. I said, you want this to be your full-time job and you're now you're giving up because you 10 posts didn't go anywhere. What you put, what did you put? You know, four hours total into that whole thing. And you're, and you're done. I mean, you have to post at least a hundred times for you to, to actually even find what is the uh, algorithm going to say to me? Where, where's my audience? Like to even have any insight as to where you, what the direction is that you want to go. So that's what I would say with that. <laughs> now, uh, if anybody's got any questions, I have a, I have a question though for the, community, which is I'm thinking about creating a course on this that goes way more in depth than what I just kind of skimmed here at the, at the, at this, um, you know, this live event. So if you're interested in doing a course or, you know, if you think that would be a good idea for me to do, if that's something that you would like to take or learn about, I'm going to do a poll in my community tab, but I also, I mean, you know, you can just throw it in the chat too, if that's something that you are interested in. So we have a question from Imagine Mountains. Any advice on camera gear for a through hike? Do my second one this year and would like to get a quality camera. <laughs> Great question, but you're talking to the wrong dude. The reason why is because I use this. This is my 11. I use GoPro. So in my mind, for me, simpler the better. I don't want to screw with memory cards. I don't want to screw with, you know, I don't want to screw with the weight. I don't want to, screw, it's expensive if I drop it, which I am so hard on my gear, right? I totally get the quality camera though. But in my mind, I might, I'm going to try to probably upgrade this year maybe to the iPhone 13. I mean, have you seen these babies when they, when they record video? I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. We got cinema mode, you know, you got slow motion, you got everything on there. Honestly, the only thing you, you lose with the iPhone is zoom in capability, which is a very layman term for that, but you know, any kind of lenses or something. So, but you can get like some different lenses on, on Amazon and stuff, but I will say, uh, that my GoPro has been a, a good game changer for in terms of filming for a through hike. It's right there. I just kind of put it in my uh, in my little pouch. I flip it out, and it has been absolutely great. I, I love having the GoPro. I'll bring a little dual battery charger for it, and uh, one battery usually gets me through a day and a half. It was awesome on the on the Colorado Trail. I absolutely loved it, and it, it worked out famously. And so, kind of what my thing would do, or what my how my workflow would go through would be I would use my iPhone for panning shots because the iPhone seemed really good for the panning shots. I could really kind of hold it. It was a bigger screen, so I could kind of see, right? And then for when I would talk or I would set it up, I would use the GoPro because the GoPro was already on the tripod. Previously on the JMT, I had to keep putting my phone on a tripod, putting setting it up, walk back, grab it, take the iPhone off, see where I am, blah, 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 do whatever that. But having two pieces of gear like that was amazing. It was great. It was great. 
Sikorin loves Element. That's awesome. I knew it. It's awesome. Okay, so we got Monty Walker. Uh, what advice would you give to anyone looking at the Colorado Trail? Actually, I'll get to that in a second. Imagine Mountains, been considering an iPhone 13 or Google Pixel 6. Dude, I, I got to say, my buddy's got a Google. I think it's a Pixel or I don't know. Oh, my gosh. The the photos on that thing, um, absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. He zoomed in on Mount Adams the other day when we were out. Could not, I could not believe the image quality of that thing. They are just above and beyond getting getting scary, scary good. And yes, Imagine Mountains. That was with mostly with the GoPro. Yep, my car, my CT videos. the The real nice thing about the the GoPro is that their default settings are very saturated. You don't have to do a lot of color grading in post production on it. So it was really nice. Monty Walker, what advice do you have? Okay, to anyone doing at doing the Colorado Trail, I have a video on this. Nine things I wish I knew. One of the biggest things, though, was monsoon season is going to wreck you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's not going to wreck you. You'll get past it. But be prepared for monsoon season. The biggest biggest thing that I was shocked about with the CT was the amount of the sheer amount of storms and how long they lasted. Although I guess we were in a very active pattern. But oh my gosh, it stormed every single day on the CT. And uh, yeah, the other thing was around segment 17, 18, 19, there is a section, there's some sections where there's really no clean water. And so what I mean by that is there's not, you're filtering water out of a cow pond pretty much or, or around cows. So cows are shitting all over the place and you have to get water in some of these streams, which obviously great place for Jardia to be. And I wasn't really aware of this and I only had one filter I had my Sawyer Squeeze, which did absolutely amazing, but I was very concerned the rest of the time that I was going to get Jardia. So something I would have brought, if I would have known about it, I would have brought maybe some of those tablets or things like that to you know, kill some of the extra germs. I would have did a secondary disinfect on that. But sometimes there is trail angels between that section. But I am going to do a – so anyway, to answer your question, Monty – the nine things I wish I knew about the Colorado Trail video is a great one if you haven't watched it yet. But I am going to do a live or kind of a podcast on the CT at, at some point here. Cost breakdown of the CT. The, the Man, the CT, uh, it wasn't too bad. You know, it's it's your general type of through hiking. Really, my I would say my, you know, eight, where 80% of my cost came from was – Airfare there, airfare back. I had to get a hotel in Copper Mountain, and then I had to uh, get a taxi to the Durango Airport. So a lot of that type of transportation was really, yeah, it was kind of a that was the biggest cost. Uh, from that, that was probably I don't know four hundred. I never like buy. It's hard for me to buy a plane ticket right away. So a lot of or a round trip ticket because I never know when I'm going to finish. And so I kind of got screwed. I paid a lot for my return ticket. So I think it was answer your question probably like 800 bucks for transportation, 700 bucks for transportation. It was probably about a grand though to to hike the CT. Uh, probably around there. It wasn't. It wasn't like too bad. But God, it does kind of add up when I say it's a grand. That does kind of sound like a lot. <laughs> Especially for me, because I'm cheap. 
And Corin says, my ears are open to the CT advice too. I'm headed there in July. Nice. Great time to go. That's when I went. Uh, well, June 30th, but yeah, monsoon season. Just be aware of that. I'm imagine mountain says boil a cow pond water every single time. Yeah, it was probably should have done that, but you know, I was really thirsty and I didn't really, <laughs> that's a, that's a whole process there. Boiling the cow. Actually, well, the other thing, dude, I actually cold soaked the entire time. So I didn't have anything to boil it with, <laughs> but yep. Uh, I hate having instead of return time when I'm on a through hike. Yeah, it sucks. Right. And it's like, you really don't know when you're going to finish and you don't want to stress yourself out. So I usually buy it three days before. And a lot of times you can find good cheap deals, but sometimes, man, you just kind of get screwed with it. So, all right. Well, I'm wrapping up. Thank you for everybody coming on here. It's nice to see everybody. Corin, thanks for the return. Killing it. And yeah, we'll, we'll try to get a CT one here uh, shortly, one of these days.